0: Hey, everybody, before we begin, we just wanted to let you know that the opening clip has some rough language in it. So, you know, if your kids are in the car, you might want to turn it down or fast forward about 30 seconds. Thanks.
1: Kid. Kennedy and the committee. It's a fucking vendetta. It's a vendetta. These two little creeps are riding in the we office. We have on a subpoena. Them. Forget about the subpoena. Jimmy, the one thing you cannot do is square off with the White House. Square off with the White House? Then they don't square off with me, you follow me? Don't tell me who I can square off with. Don't use words with me. Any man, any man fucks They have me a subpoena! It, and I say fuck the subpoena. And fuck you too. The guy need his brother elected fucking president of the United States to get a job. You're a joke. You would have been a bond salesman somewhere. You're the brother-in-law they he make jokes about. I don't know what you're trying to prove, but you're proving it. You're proving it, Hoffa. I'm proving <laughs> what? You got nothing on me. You got a TV show. The Justice Department has plenty on you, Mr. Hoffa. You don't impress me, and your office don't impress me, and your family don't impress me. bunch of rum runners. And I don't need three hundred million dollars. And my brother elected president to whop your fucking ass, you slimy little prick. I beat your ass that trumped up charge down south. I'm gonna beat you again. There is no organized crime. The Teamster's not going you to see you, you else. in jail, Mr. Hoffa. For what? What did I fucking Lones, do? The, Huffer, pension fund, your loans. the pension fund thing. has the best record in the country on loans. Oh, bullshit. Best record in the country. Bullshit. For the working man. You ever heard of work? Look, you know what I work want is? i man in jail, and I'm not going to stop until I see Who you. Who in the fuck eyes? are you? Who the fuck are you? Fuck you, and fuck your threats, and fuck your brother. What did you say? You heard me. What the fuck did you say?
0: Hi everybody i'm dan and i'm mike so welcome back to 15 minute film fanatics this week we're going to be doing hoffa the 1992 film starring jack nicholson as jimmy hoffa directed by danny devito and written by podcast favorite david mammoth so this is a movie that i proposed for the show mike hadn't seen it before we haven't talked about it yet in part while well, we always talk about our overall take mike go
2: i had a really interesting question before i watched this movie which was is this going to be a DeVito movie or is this going to be a Mammoth movie? Because Danny DeVito's movies have a very distinct character uh, to them. And David Mamet's movies have a very distinct character to them. And I, I kind of fell more on the side that this was a Danny DeVito movie. Although there are many, there are many parts of dialogue that are just obviously David Mamet, people trailing off in the middle of sentences or randomly repeating words that you want to talk on the phone. Right. Uh, But I, I really enjoyed this movie. It it kind of feels like it was about three movies. What, what's, what it struck me was someone sat down at a table and was like, okay, are we going to do the early days? Are we going to do the late days? Or are we going to do the peak? And someone said, I don't know, let's do them all. Because who's going to get tired of Jack Nicholson doing uh, Jimmy Hoffa? And apparently some critics were, but I wasn't. That is an absolutely 100% spot-on impersonation of Jimmy Hoffa. And they really do a good job villainizing the Kennedy administration and making Hoffa into a personal hero. In other, in other words, and this is what you feel that you should get, they don't have to kind of be namby-pamby about whether or not he's doing something heroic. This is very... It's it's an unabashed hagiography of a, of a guy who stood up for it, a working man, right? Um, which I, I actually really enjoyed more than I thought that I was going to, because I think t- the typical thing that I would enjoy would be to spice that in or lace that with an understanding that, that his actions aren't always moral, that his going over the top isn't well-deserved, but they do a really good job forcing you into DeVito's perspective of, of his heroism.
0: Yeah, absolutely give this man whatever he needs. What did you think about um Jack Nicholson as Jimmy Hoffa versus Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa?
2: No contest. I mean not I I stand by what I said 3 years ago about about the Irishman. Uh but Jack Nicholson deserved much more credit for yeah. this portrayal of Hoffa. I mean that for some reason if you if you put down the 15 minute film fanatics for a second you go read critical reviews they're not very good. I don't really understand why they're not very good. No, yeah. Um, You know, and and they're lukewarm
0: at best. They're lukewarm, yeah. Uh,
2: uh, Yeah, and, you know, Jack Nicholson really, the the movie doesn't need to be saved, but he really makes this. It's movie so he's, good. he's the heart of the movie it's it's again it's one of the performances like you say all the time where you spend every minute that he's not on screen wondering when he's coming back on screen yeah isn't it a great uh,
0: feeling when you watch a movie and it's really good and you say to yourself why have I not seen because <laughs> you must have just thought that right like you, went yeah. your whole life you're like it was only because I was like we got to do this for the show and you're like why haven't I watched a movie I didn't know it David existed Mam-? yeah exactly
2: yeah, it's it's written great. by David Mamet where Jack Nicholson plays <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Hoffman I, I love Danny DeVito he really he was uh, fantastic as this you know, made up amalgam of right. people that surrounded Hoffa for their for their entire career. Well, you know, who but, he
0: was. He's the little man in Double Indemnity. He's the little man <laughs> come to life.
2: And uh, the even the scene where they meet each other is really charming. There's, you know, uh, Danny DeVito's use of uh, film sound is always really weird. Um, there's there's music at interesting times. Um, I don't know. I it, but it felt like. It, it might be DeVito's best movie. I can't, I'm, tra- I I'm having, I'm struggling right now to think of a better movie that he directed.
0: Well, I think that what's what you said is so funny about how you long for Jack Nicholson to be on screen because it seems like the way it's built and the way it begins, it's going to be an old fashioned star vehicle. Like they used to remember, they used to crank out these movies for John Wayne and like Lee Marvin and Marilyn Monroe, and it's like, okay, we're going to make this movie, and we know you're going to be in it. So this movie was clearly I, there's no way that David Mamet didn't have Jack Nicholson in mind, like being rough around the edges and like this kind of like linebacker personality, um, but. When you watch it, one of the things that Mammoth always does in his movies, it's a great ensemble movie, right? Because Jack Nicholson is great, obviously, but so is Danny DeVito, so is Bruno Kirby, so is Armando Santi as the uh, you know, as the as the mafia guy. How about John C. Riley? Were you surprised when he walked in on the screen, right? Very. And you get Frank Whaley, you know, the kid that shoots him at the end, who is, of course, I don't know if you recognized him, he is Brett from Pulp Fiction. Check out oh, the no, big I brains on bread. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I didn't recognize so it. So I think it's got all that great stuff. I, and it's true what you said about it. It's got all that great mammoth stuff. But I have to say, my favorite mammoth thing, I mean, there's great phone stuff, great mammoth phone stuff. My favorite mammoth thing is when Jack Nicholson's talking to Armando Asante about whacking Fitzsimmons who took over for him. And he says, yeah, I'm going to do what I got to do. And Armand DeSantis, like doesn't even move. He says, um, what does that mean? And he says, it means I'm going to do what I got to do. What does that mean? And he says, "Jack Nicholson's oh, what, what? We are using words here, and it's just like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like, are we talking about this as a thing? Are we talking about it? So it's great that Mammoth knows he has to write this big budget movie that has to. He can't go all Glenn Gary on it. He can't go all Oleana on it. But he, he like, he's like, I'm putting some of these things in there because I just enjoy them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and Danny DeVito makes it work. Yeah, as a as a commercial film, uh, there there's so many good things in this movie, including. At the end, when they start talking, when they start arguing about the pension fund and he goes to prison there, you know, it's not my moment or anything, but there's yeah. a beautiful. The convoy scene. of trucks. When they... Yeah, there's a beautiful scene where all the truckers line up because they're for the pension fund. Right. And so they, it's it's very difficult. You know, one thing that I like that this movie doesn't do is it doesn't have scenes on the side where someone discusses the intricacies of why 100%. what this character does is wrong. Right. That... It's it's like it makes the truckers happy. They put money into something. They got money back out of something. Why are we even talking about? It? Like, why is somebody going right. to jail over this? Right.
0: It could have. He could have gone. DeVito and Mambo could have gone full on Oliver Stone and had scenes that explained, like, where characters talk about the the illegality the illegality of the pension fund and who was funding it and how it went into casinos. But there's just none of that. It's like it's, he gets the convoy of truckers.
2: And and so you know, kind of to summarize, what it really struck me as, it, it it's like. If you had gone into your high school class and learned about Jimmy Hoffa, and then you went to a summer barbecue and you ran into your, you know, slightly tipsy uncle, and he explained to you why he was such a great guy, and none of that stuff is illegal, and Kennedy just got his brother a job anyway, but you ter- you use that as the basis of a motion picture, that would be Hoffa. Yes. Welcome back. So in part two, of course, we talk about key scenes or big moments that are indicative of the themes of the film as a whole. Dan, you go first.
0: So mine is when Red Bennett is given that speech about the need to unionize. Remember him? And and he's not really a great speaker. And Hoffa listens to him and says, you know, he knows the words. He don't know the music. And not only is that just a great line, but it reminds you of how in this portrayal of Hoffa, this, this incarnation that he's always on stage, like Hoffa is always singing. We did the Umbrellas of Sheerborg. This is like the Teamsters version of the Umbrellas of Sheerborg, right? Like he's always performing. Like um, when he first meets DeVito, like you said, that's a charming scene because he kind of, he's always performing. Like you got to, you know, I'm going to tell you about the Teamsters. How about when he helps the guy change the tire and, he, and he, you know, or what is on his way to see Dan But he's like, you know, the local is the ship upon the sea. Um, all the stuff about RFK is great. Uh, he has all these these aphorisms, aphorisms, like you know, never let a stranger in your cab, in your house, or in your heart unless he is a friend of labor. So he's got he's always performing, which I think it it leads to you know it lets you see how charismatic he was and how powerful he was. But what I love about the movie, and this goes back to what you said about let's put the whole hopper story in there. The only time he's not performing in the movie is when he's waiting in the car, in the frame tail. Then you see him sitting in the back seat with his arms crossed. He's kind of nervous. Where is he? Where is he? Daniel goes to get him coffee. You want a coffee? He takes a sip, puts it out. Like Then you could see how he can't turn it on because he's genuinely nervous and vulnerable, which is a great setup for the last scene. So I think the movie does something really interesting where in the present tense, you see Hoffa not on stage, but he's able to flick that on and off and that accounts for his popularity.
2: Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed moments of his vulnerability. Actually, I chose one too which is when he and his wife uh he goes to turn himself into prison and his wife is packing him the bag mm-hmm. and he says you don't take nothing to prison honey <laughs> and uh again it's it's what a lie. <laughs> any anybody like if this movie were made today or this were um the Hoffa miniseries anybody would intercut that with uh you know the realities of prison the necessity of him going to jail right and, and you know somewhere in the back of your mind you'd be like okay but you know, he has a family, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a sad day in some way. Right. Uh, that, that I think is the most overlooked thing in these kinds of movies, which need, which feel the need to reinforce a criminality or essentially apologize for the system. And Mamet refuses to apologize for the system. He's just, he's going to show two people who after 30, 35 years, whatever it is, are actually still in love. And now they have to say goodbye to each other. Then they're not going to see each other. They think for 13, 15, 20 years, it ends up being less than that, but you, you get what I right. mean. Uh, and they're both, they're deeply sad about it. Somebody, somebody says, you know, they have essentially a wake, uh, you know, a yeah, bit of, exactly. a party at the house, but he's, you know, the dead guys up, up around and walking. And then you get the final shot is through the window. And somebody who's not been on camera, hitherto says, okay, wave goodbye to grandpa, you know, say, say bye. And I think it's a, it's a wonderfully humanizing moment like that that where kind of other movies would get off the bus eventually and then say okay we need to let another perspective in rigidly both DeVito and Mamet refused to let that other perspective in you know it's there you can kind of feel it there on the periphery but it's not allowed in this movie or it's not invited to that party
0: yeah awesome and you know it's there because you know what's going to happen to jimmy hoffa before any of the characters do you don't know how it's going to happen and we'll talk about that next but you know what you know what his ultimate fate is going to be so that of course gives everything an asterisk next to it we say goodbye to grandpa and that's you're right mamet and devito aren't interested in that other perspective
2: welcome back so in part three of course we talk about the title the ending the key takeaways Dan.
0: Well the ending of this is great now, you know, David Mamet loves con artists. He loves conning the audience. I mean, you think about House of Games and The Spanish Prisoner and Red Belt and, and you know, he has, and uh, he has so many great movies with great twists in them and this is no exception, right? And I think what's great about the con in this is that when the when the kid goes and, and shoots him in the back seat. What's great about this is that you're almost at least me, I was almost on the verge of accusing the movie of sentimentality. So when Danny DeVito shows him the card, you know who that is? You want to meet him? He, or he doesn't say you want to meet him. He says, go go bring coffee out there. He says, yeah, really? That's Jimmy Hoffa? And I'm like, is this going to be like the natural or something? Is this going to be like some kind of like Oz Shucks, Norman Rockwell thing? And he all, because I'm like, there's no way David Mamet has this in him. And then he almost does it. It gets you right on the edge of the diving board of sentimentality and then the kid pulls out a gun and cuz of course you're thinking like how is he going to die? How is he going to die? And the kid pulls out the gun, he he gets he kills them both. The car goes into the back of the truck. It's perfectly done. The it goes away total total. It's like heist in other David Mamet con where it's a beautiful trick and like it's almost like Mamet was like, "All right, I'm going to do my David Mamet thing, and nobody can argue with me because we still don't know where Jimmy Hoffa is."
2: I think what hurts about it is that you're supposed to see the Roadhouse the way that they park there, the way that they kind of know it, the way that Danny DeVito orders the guy there right. around, pack of smokes, two blacks, give them to me now, right? Uh, the way that they, that they that the piece is hidden behind the bar, it's meant to set you up so that you think that anything that has to happen to them has to come through the roadhouse first. Right. And so the reason that it hurts so much is when you watch the end of the movie and you ask yourself, how could they possibly have set that up? The obvious answer is with money, and right, and so you you kind of ask yourself a stupid sentimental question, which is, well, how could they pay off the guys at the roadhouse to whack Jimmy Hoffa, uh, and and so that's ultimately what the movie is about, which is that you can you can bring goodwill uh, and you can bring prosperity into people's lives, um, but that can always be diluted. That's like, that's the entrance of the early 90s cash nexus into, into again, that kind of sentimental backyard barbecue view of who Hoffa is. Because of course, as an outsider, you think, well, yeah, duh, the, the mob has enough money to, you know, to set up this murder, no matter where you are, and to pay somebody to go do it in broad daylight. But on the other hand, you've just spent you know two hours sunk and immersed into what a hero he is and it's almost implausible that you could get anybody from that side of the track to kill him especially because those timelines converge right around the time that he's in you know going to prison and the truckers are honking the horn and you know beating on the right you know the the jail bus and you think well the Obviously, from that side of the street, there will never come betrayal. And that's what it it hurts. Uh, just like um, right. when Fitzy's nephew, uh, you know, uh, in, uh, indicts him and gives testimony against him. Uh, and I, I find that that's it. That's a, just a great ending because it it hurts emotionally. Right. Because they set you up to think of the roadhouse. As home. I mean, if home for you was, like, you know, old jukebox, you know, you know, dirty sandwich and shotgun behind the bar. But if that was your home, you would assume that nothing bad can happen to you there, except the worst possible thing can happen to you there. In fact, they could make it so that there's no trace of you, which hurts even more.
0: (laughs) And that truck goes right to Giant Stadium. So thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our conversation about Hatha. Follow us on Twitter and Letterboxd at 15MINfilm. See you next time.